to Hope City Church, Melbourne, Australia. Stay tuned for another inspiring message. I've got three questions that I want to ask you both, and I'm sure you can help us with this. Um, In the Bible, it's apparent that there's a lot of spiritual language and codes that aren't at a surface level. There's numbers and colours and all sorts of things that... And uh, I'm interested to hear how you see God directing. Is there a language of the kingdom that's beyond English that God is using in everyday life to speak to us about people and events? And if so, can you give us some cues on that? Sure. The, um, you know, if you can see it in Scripture, then you can see it in everyday life. So my advice to you would be to try to look deeper in the Scripture because there are layers within Scripture. And so, for example, you know, when Lazarus was resurrected, uh, he went, uh, Jesus was, or Bethany was 15 furlongs away from, from Jerusalem. When, when you start to see beneath the surface, you realize that 15 is a number that speaks of resurrection. And then when in John chapter 12, when, for example, uh, Judas Iscariot says, why was that oil wasted and, and put on Jesus' feet? You know, and Mary's wiping his uh, hair with her feet. Why wasn't that sold for 300 denarii or denarii? Well, you, then you realize that 300 actually means the glory of God or the glory of men. So when Solomon was around, he had 300 golden shields created. And uh, they would actually be put on a. They were actually in the the, tower, the house of the Tower of Lebanon, but they would also be displayed on a tower. History tells us so that when the sun hit those golden three hundred golden shields, it would be blazoned across the country because the glory of God was in residence. Uh, what happened was the king of Egypt came up. Uh, uh, I can't remember his name now. Shishak or something like that. He came up and he stole the gold and plundered the gold. And then the king, who was the son of Solomon, replaced those golden shields with brass. And those brass shields tarnished. And that was symbolic of the glory of men. It tarnishes all right, and always needs maintenance. So what I'm saying to you is beneath the surface of the scripture is a message. Likewise, in our everyday, when you're looking around yourself, don't go looking for omens. But if something jumps out at you or it's unseasonal and it just catches your eye. One time I was driving into a town and uh, I just saw all these pigeons... Under a under a you know a roof under a gable, and as I was driving in, and the thought came to me, what are pigeons in scripture? And I went, ah, oh, there's a poverty spirit in this place, and so then I was addressing that as I was speaking, and so there are little signs you see without looking at for it, just just things that jump out at you. You go, okay, and when you look at those things, you go like most people talk to Adam and I, and they go, that I had a weird dream last night. It's only weird because we're looking at it from our perspective. All right, and so when you look at a rainbow, if should there be one out there today, we see an arc. But if you saw an arc, if, sorry, if you saw a rainbow from the air and you were in a plane, it would be a complete circle. So what the message is is when you want to see God's glory and He hides His glory, all right, and the rainbow is symbolic of His glory, try to get God's perspective on what it is you're looking at, and you do that by looking at it through the lens of Scripture. Yeah, um, when Jesus was, when you read about Jesus in the in the Gospels, he he taught the disciples in parables, and um, uh, the, you know initially they didn't understood it, and they need you know they asked Jesus to explain it, and he, I remember uh, reading Matthew fifteen, he said to one of them, "Are you so so dull?" And um, Jesus talks to us in a language, 
uh, in parables, and it's like another language. It's actually the language of heaven. He uses symbols and he uses metaphors. Uh, he does that so that we can seek him out and we, we want to we wanna search out the mystery. And in time, we, we learn the language, we understand and we become more intimate with him. Uh, when you read John 16, he said, There's a time, this is the time now where I don't speak to you in parables. I, I'm going to speak to you plainly about my father. So as a time comes where it, the language becomes... It just it, it becomes normal to you, and you and you understand what the spirit of saying. You understand the intimacy of the Father, and um, see, for example, when just to follow on what Adrian's saying is, uh, even everything that Jesus did, not not just talking in parables, everything he did, there was a message behind it. He was Amen. the prophet of all prophets. When he sat, when he sat on the well, he was a well sitting on the well waiting for the woman, and there was a parable in that. Uh, even when Jesus, uh, they he had to pay tax uh, in Matthew seventeen. And uh, they said, "What are you going to do? You owe you owe money. You, you got to you know have to pay tax." And he did a. There was a major sign and a wonder. He said, "Go catch a fish, and you're going to find a very valuable coin in the fish, and that's going to pay for your tax and mine, uh, because the sons are exempt. Now we do have to pay tax, uh, but uh, you know we 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 are exempt because God provides for us. Okay, so, but there's actual message behind that. There's a parable behind that. When you look deeper, like Adrian's saying. There is a parable. If you pursue the things of God, revelation can be a, a metaphor. Sorry, a fish can be a metaphor of revelation. Okay, because when when John was uh, in the book of John twenty one, when the disciples on the side uh, we're on the, we're actually out in the ocean fishing, they put the net on the side because a man, a stranger to them, told them to put the net on the side. And when they actually obeyed this stranger on the shore and they put the net on the side because they weren't catching anything all night, they lifted up a great catch. The fish just rose up out of the net and that was the, that was the penny that dropped. That was Jesus. So that means revelation. So if you pursue revelation, getting back to Matthew 17, when you put a draw line out to catch a fish, you pursue revelation and inside that revelation is provision. So, so that's sort of an example how God yeah. can speak to us in the scriptures. Yeah. So every name, every color, every number has significance. And so if you see repeated numbers, if you see repeated things, like the, by the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established, often things will just keep hitting you. You know, you, uh, a guy in Sydney uh, saw 121, 121, 121. He pulls up the lights and there's a Mazda 121 in front of him. He, he pulls into a driveway and it happens to be 121, his next client. And then you know, he's on the, he sees the bus and it's the 121. Mm. God's speaking to you and you should be asking yourself, how do I decode that? And every time it's a little bit different. you know. But So you often have to, have to ask questions of yourself because as it is in Scripture, so it is in the natural, it's always interpreted in context. All right, so it's not a formula, but you, you want to interpret it according to the context in which you find yourself in and then say, okay, so what's God saying to me out of this situation? So do you have resources that you could... Because I know your next book, The Divinity Code 2, you'll have interpretations for colours and numbers. Are there other books that people can get you that can, are helpful? You, you can get books on numerology or numbers in Scripture. You can get books on colour or you can get books on both of those sort of things combined. I think it's good to have a few different resources, a few texts that you, you don't read cover to cover. You just have them out there, in, like the Divinity Code in a sense. After you read the first ten chapters, it's primarily a reference guide. 
to get a catalytic of thought, you know. But the first thing we need to do when we see things is go to God. Mm. All right, Don't, it's not a formula, and uh, the divinity code's not God, yeah. uh, but it's a guide and it's a catalyst for thought. Yeah. All right, and so turn to God first because He's both the giver and the interpreter of what it is you're getting. Yeah. Do you want to share that dream in New Zealand about the numbers of the woman's genetic problem? Um, there was a woman who. Uh, she would wake up in the morning. Sometimes when I wake up in the morning, I would get a song, and that's God speaking to me, to me and I would go link, sing through the song, get the words of the song and see what God's saying. Uh, sometimes God will give me a name in the morning, and sometimes he might just give you a number. You might just keep waking up and it's 444, you know, and you, everything's 444 everywhere for a moment. So God's speaking to you. You've got to decode that. We were in a meeting in New Zealand, and a woman said, well, what does this mean? Um, 9637. I've got 9637. So I went through what 9 means. It could be the fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. It could be judgment because it comes just before completion. 10. 6 means the number of man or the flesh or the physical. 3 means resurrection, fullness, and, or it could be the witness of the Spirit. Uh, and 7 means rest, you know, 7 days. I said, does that mean anything to you? She goes, no. I said, ooh, uh, okay. Well, I'm not sure what it means. But while I was saying that, there was a guy at the back and he Googled the number, 9637. And as he Googled the number, he found out that that number, well, actually what I saw was these two guys conferring at the back. One of them was a Malaysian, Indo-Chinese looking guy that looked like a very studious type of person, you know. And the guy went over to him and they were conferring. And then the both of them came up and they said, can we speak to you? And I said, sure. And they said, we just Googled 9637 and 9637 is a... A bonding protein for nerve endings. So I said to the woman, does that mean anything to you? And she, she looked at her husband and she went, it does. I've got a nervous condition. So then I said to the two guys, come and pray for her. And they laid hands on the Chinese guy, laid hands on her. And she went down, hit the deck. And I got in touch with her a month later. And I said, how, you know, with her husband, I said, how are things going? He said, she was set free from a nervous condition. She used to drop things because of her nerves. And she set free of that. Bam, like that, because of 9637. It's amazing, isn't it? We could talk all day about <laughs> colours and numbers. Um, there's so many stories that you know, we've talked about. Uh, another thing that's fascinated me watching you both minister is um, I'm aware that there are angels here when you minister, and I've seen, I think, Carmel. I saw Carmel somewhere. One of the first recollections I have had of uh, Adam was calling Carmel out, some of you may have seen this, and he said to her, walk back seven paces because there's an angel there and um, when you walk back seven paces, you'll be healed. And, uh, and I could feel there's a little bit of cynicism in the room back then and sure enough, she stepped back seven paces and went bang under the power and she got healed and that story's in Adam's book, The Supernatural Man. And so uh, I've noticed that angels have been part of your ministry for healing when you're interpreting dreams, I'll watch you stand back and it's apparent that there's angelic presence there that you're either they're communicating with you or vice versa. So can you talk to us about, because we see in the Bible there's so many stories where angels are part of, of daily life with God's people. So for us, workplace, family, home, is there a place for angels how do they operate? What's your experience with angels? Well, first of all, I just want to say that you know some Christians or brethren from the uh, from another tribe have problems when we talk about angels. They get freak out and oh, brother, you must worship the Lord, not talk about angels. And uh, but you know we 
we do rule, you know we do put put it to everybody that we worship God and uh, we honor him and we he's the focus but angels play a major part it's like when Andrew comes and ministers and brings a word on Sunday he's doing it on behalf of the Lord but you don't worship Andrew right but he's a minister in the natural he's a man created in the image of God bringing the word from the throne room it's the same principle in the unseen world. There's another, there's another dimension. We're interdimensional, and there's another world around us. And angels are sent in the same manner. They come. They're ministers. Of, they're ministering spirits, and they come. Some of them come directly from the throne room. I've had angels come from the throne rooms, and just fear not. Uh, I come from the presence of the Lord. And you've got to test spirits. And I, I'm, I don't really have to test them anymore because I sort of know when it's from God and when it's not from God. And uh, but they they play a major part with ministry. And um, there's a, a lot, I've said this before, but all of you have a lot of angels around you. And a lot of them are bored because you don't know, you don't really understand. Uh, uh, really, you don't know what it is to use the word of God as a weapon. You see, because it says in Psalms 103 that angels do and perform. They do the Lord's bidding. And they, uh, they obey God's word. But when you, we're in his, in his image and the angels are sent to serve us, right? We're in the Lord's image. And when we start decreeing his words, angels start to react, okay? So someone said to me, you have no right to tell angels what to do. And I thought to myself, well, that's true. Yeah, I don't. With my own opinion, I, have, I can't say anything to angels. But when I start decreeing his word, there's something starts to happen. And I feel angels touch me. Uh, Adrian, when we had in, in, in New Zealand, someone's limb grew out. Uh, an angel, I said, the angel is behind uh, this lady. I saw it. Uh, sometimes I see it, sometimes I don't. And the limb, actually, her limb, when her limb started to gr grow in front of everybody, everybody's freaking out. You saw it last night. A Adrian felt as it was growing, he, f he was pushed back. I was holding a microphone and I, I, I mean, I'm... I'm a pretty rational sort of person, but the microphone was actually moving in my hand and I wasn't moving it. It was moving me out of the way. Because sometimes angels sort of go the other way and they sort of... <laughs> and they do because, because um, you know, they serve us, but they're very powerful because, uh, because they're, they're supernatural beings. And, um, but they play a major role. It's... it's um, you know, I, I see it with my... Uh, I don't, I, I, we've had a physical encounter of an angel in Sydney yes. yeah. in, the, in the physical form. That's why you've got to... Don't be afraid to entertain strangers because they can, they can actually uh, come in a physical form. But I'd usually see it with my spiritual eye. I, might, I sense it when I, when the other night when I was praying for the leaders. I sense the angel with me. It's right. I can feel it when it comes. It comes upon me and it's telling me about the condition of the person the name of the person that you're dealing with uh, or, or the name of the child can be like that. Even the condition of the child. It goes even to the level where I think one time I called out a girl's name here. You actually know the name of the person. I've had that even in the last conference. We knew the name of the person. And the angel will, will release these words of knowledge from heaven. And that's how Jesus walked in that realm. You know, Jesus was the prophet of all prophets. And he was interacting with angels and they were serving him. But he's a forerunner for us, and we have the baton now. And uh, that same, in the same manner, angels are very, very important with ministry. 
You need to acknowledge them. We we were ministering in uh, we were ministering in California. And we we thought we'll have a game of pool. We're a bit tired one day. And we had a game of pool in this place. It was a bit rough, and there's a few rough looking dudes looking at us like this. And and one guy was a Mexican guy. He goes, I don't know why he was drunk, but he was just playing a game of pool. We just thought we'd just you know go out and have a good time. This Mexican guy was drunk, and he goes, "You touch my family, I kill you." <laughs> and I'm thinking, I don't even know your family, mate. You know. I'm playing a punk, I'm like, I don't, I don't know your family, man. He goes, I'm going to kill you if you touch my family and I have a gun. And I'm thinking, brilliant, you know. <laughs> but just long story short, I came up to him, I put my arm around him. And I said, did you realise who we are? He goes, you're not cops, are you? <laughs> I said, no, we're actually, uh, uh, we always pull the reverend card out because we're reverends, but we don't use that in church. No one uses titles in our church. But I said, we're actually reverends. We're ministers of God. And I showed him, I showed him my reverend, you know, then he goes, that's a fake, I have a fake cop badge. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, you can't kill us. You just, you know, everything's fine. You can't kill us because there's two big angels outside waiting for us. Very big ones. So you cannot hurt us. And that shut him down. And see, they are everywhere. They react when you actually start decreeing the word. I said, this is what the Bible says. And, they, and they, they, they manifest. And it shut him down. He disarmed, just went back to like typical Mexicanism. <laughs> Without the sombrero. The, um, we have a friend who is very prophetic. And uh, she said that before, you know, she interacts freely with angels. But before she, she got to that stage, she would confess that she interacts with angels. So her confession wasn't, I don't see angels, I don't dream. Yeah. Her confession lined up with the word of God and then they started to manifest. And so they line up with according to your word. And angels ascending and descending, they ascend and descend through your spirit, man, according to your words. That's right. All right? And when your words line up with God's word, then they're in action. That's right. I have five angels. I have the, I see the, the there's a there's a really powerful army. It's the most invincible army of all existence, and that's the army of God. Yeah. I see that in a in a, in a it's it's, a, it's like a sand on the seashore. Some the, when I see that sometimes the actual angels are massive, and there's a lot of them. But I do have a personal entourage, and there's I have like the healing angel. There's a healing angel in John uh, chapter five, five that ascends and it descends. But there's many of them. It's not the same one. There's many. There's, there's a healing angel. There's resurrection angels. It brings revival as well. In, in Matthew 28, well, the resurrection angel came down, sat on the stone, removed the hardened hearts, that rolled the stone away, which is a metaphor for the hardened hearts, and brings revival, resurrection. Uh, there's also the, uh, the delivering angel. There's so many. Uh, I have that. You know, that and the words of knowledge. Angel, prophetic angel, which visited me in Papua New Guinea. That releases words of knowledge. The accuracy of the words of knowledge. So there's 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 these kind of angels that that are in my ministry. What I think also is important is when God does speak to you and you actually understand what God's saying, when you start to speak, you need to realize the authority that you command. All right. And so there you are. The Bible calls us priests and kings. Oh. And so uh, in Hebrew, the word for priest is Cohen. And uh, I think I've probably shared this here before, but it's taken first. First of all, the, the Hebrew word is the starts that, or the base of that word is ken, which means yes. And then in the middle of that yes is a huh, 
or a, a hey in Hebrew, and it means to reveal. Sometimes it means thee, sometimes it means behold. But it's, that's in the middle of a ken. So ken means yes, and in the middle of that is a behold or to reveal. And a, a priest revo- reveals the heart, the middle of the yes. And so our job is to reveal him who is yes and amen to our world. And as kings, the word for uh, melech, which is the word for king in Hebrew, comes from two Hebrew words, mala and leka. It, means, it basically means do what he says. or you know, It means like come, go, you know, and, and that sort of thing. So when we speak, things come and go. All right, we must realize that we've been given such authority, privileged authority, Amen. and that when we speak, things happen. Yeah. All right, and so that's why when you see us ministering and we're interpreting dreams, deliverances take place, all that sort of thing, because we know the interpretation of the dream gives us the authority to speak into it with understanding that the dream is God's word. Yeah, yeah. and constantly we're, we are interdimensional de- beings, and we're constantly, without you knowing, we're in and out of the spirit. And angels are the same thing. They, they're, they're interdimensional. And when, we, when you go in the spirit and you start, especially when you worship the Lord, angels long to look into these things. It says that in the scripture, you draw heaven.